Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, we still have two players that are wanted to be traded, have not been traded, but one has come out and spoke out in James Harden saying that Daryl Morey is a liar. Um, so off the top, let's talk about James Harden. What are his financial implications? Could he be suspended? Any of that? Because it seems like we are uh, repeating what has already happened before. So let's go down this road again. Uh, so let's start with what can we speculate from him saying that Maury is a liar? Yeah, there's two different things I think James Harden could be kind of accusing Daryl Morey of here. So if we rewind a year ago, James Harden uh, very famously opted out of his uh, contract, which that part wasn't unexpected, but then he took a considerable less amount of money uh, in first year salary than what he was eligible for. And that opened up the ability for Philadelphia to use the full non-taxpayer MLE to bring in P.J. Tucker. Then they use the biannual exception to sign Daniel House. And then they use the other flexibility. Kind of they, they acquired DeAnthony Melton. They were able to keep some other guys. They, they just gave them a lot more flexibility. Harden re-signed on a one-plus-one deal for, like we said, far less. So that was part one of what we assumed was a, all right, well, he'll play out this year for less money. Then in the summer of 2023, so roughly a month and a half or so ago, the expectation was he'll opt out. Philly will give him a max deal and we'll all move on. It was so expected that that was what was going to happen that Philadelphia actually got punished uh, through this process by losing a second round pick in theory and all technicality. They were punished for jumping the gun on negotiating with P.J. Tucker. But in reality, everybody knows it was kind of like, hey, you can't be doing these side deal, wink, wink deals and all these things. So now let's flash forward a year. James Harden, we hear around, well, not even a year. Let's flash forward about six-ish months or so first. Around Christmas time, we hear, hey, James Harden's not a lock to go back to Philly. He would like to go back to Houston. And then that kind of just bubbled for the remainder of the year. Uh, we get into uh, this offseason. James Harden opts into his contract, which was kind of like, all right, so yes, he got the word. Houston doesn't really want to spend. And now what's ended up happening is James Harden said, hey, I'm opting in because I want to be traded because he knew the places I'm interested in going, primarily the LA Clippers, they can't sign me to any kind of reasonable contract because they're so far over the tax line that they, they don't even know it exists anymore. Um, so Harden's in a spot where the only way I can really get there is via trade. So I'm going to opt in and you can trade me to, to the Clippers. And we're sitting here now in the middle of August and James Harden's still on the 76ers. And my guess is he either feels lied to about the opting out and then not getting a full max deal, which I think he thought was going to be the case uh, this off season, or he feels lied to of, all right, I didn't get that. And you said you'd trade me and you still haven't traded me. So it's it's either one of the two, maybe it's both. You know, we, we don't really know. I'm not going to uh, presume at this point that James Harden's going to stand up and tell us 
which one it is by any means or anything like that. So so we're kind of in the spot where now we sit in this limbo here in the middle of August with James Harden still on the 76ers as a $35.6 million expiring contract. And we have no further resolution on anything to do with him and his future or anything where that may go. So let's fast forward uh, a month, two months. We get to training camp. We get to preseason. Are there any financial implications at that point, or does the implications start when the season begins? Yeah, so <laughs> kind of oddly enough, because it was Philadelphia previously with Ben Simmons that that this sort of a situation happened, and we all know he you know didn't report, and they started finding him, and then he showed up, but he was kind of only sort of there, name only, and practicing with a cell phone in his pocket and a lot of other weird stuff, and which further proves, you know, truth is always stranger than fiction because all this stuff is nothing anybody would make up because you'd immediately be rejected for making up nonsense. So here we are with all this going on, and what happens in this situation with um, Simmons is they – you know, held out, they find him a bunch of money. He ultimately was traded that went into a grievance and all those things with James Harden. It's similar, but just different enough. So if he holds out from Philadelphia, they can obviously do the fines and everything else like they did to Ben Simmons, but there's an additional wrinkle because he's on an expiring contract. If he withholds his services, basically doesn't show up or shows up and refuses to, practice or play or do any of that stuff that he's supposed to do under his uh, uh, contract with the Sixers for more than 30 days. And it doesn't have to be 30 consecutive days. It doesn't even have to be, you know, 30 days, you know, from the start, 30 days in just more than 30 days over the course of the season, his contract is considered to, it expires, but he is not completed his deal with the 76ers so what that means is let's say james harden says i'll sit out the entire year i'm not going to show up his contract will expire but he and he will be a free agent but he will not be able to sign a contract with another professional basketball team without philadelphia approving it so what you would really have to have happen there is he is sees his deal expire and then philly comes along and says you know what fine your deal's done Yo, go away. We're finished with this. We, we don't want anything more to do with you. And then we kind of get into that situation. If that's not where things go with James Harden, if they're angry and all that, they can prevent him from signing a deal. And it is no, it is any other professional basketball team. So he couldn't sign a deal over in Europe or China or Australia and play because FIBA will uphold the, the NBA's contract rules. This generally happens the other way where guys are trying to get out of contracts to come to the NBA. And FIBA says, nope, you didn't complete your contract the way you were supposed to. In this case, this is how it would go with Harden. And Philly would have full control over saying, yeah, no, we're not letting you go. You're going to stay right here uh, until we figure all this out. What if it goes completely south and I know Philly is trying to hold on to cap space for next season, but they just, it's at a pass and they, they don't even want him on the roster because it's just going to be a complete nightmare. If they bought, is there, let me rephrase that. Is there a possibility that they buy him out and or wave and stretch him? 
Yeah, they won't wave and stretch him because there's no real benefit to 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 doing that. That that'd put you know roughly twelve hundred million or twelve hundred million. That's not even a number. Uh, twelve million uh, on their books uh, for for the next three seasons, and they certainly don't want that. Buying him out, maybe. But my guess is Daryl Morey would come to a point where he would say, you know, rather than do that. I would rather take back a lesser trade package. And that's kind of the holdup in this whole thing right now. Maury is saying, Hey, we need a trade that keeps us a contender, which we can argue, are they really a contender or not? Um, but that's a whole thing. And then the next part of it is he's saying, you know, I need a trade that keeps us a contender and also preserves my cap flexibility in the next summer. That's a really hard needle to thread because you're generally kind of going one way or the other. You're not, Usually those those two things don't work kind of in conjunction. So in this case for uh, Daryl Morey, he's in a spot where he's going to probably have to pick. And I don't think he would rather just say, forget it. We'll buy you out. Go away. You're no longer a problem. Go sign with whoever you want um, over uh, saying, no, we'll hang on to you and we'll find a trade that works for us, even if it's not the ideal perfect trade. Speaking of that, I mean, are are there teams that you have pegged in your mind based on roster construction or anything like that, that if they just need to offload him to a team, it doesn't matter if it's a team that he wants to go to or not, um, that, that you think would fit for James Harden at this point? Yeah, that's really hard because, you know, we got to recognize James Harden's still a very good player. You know, probably should have been. Um, in all NBA consideration a year ago, still, you know, one of the you know better scorers and assist playmakers in the league. Um, but we also have to recognize he is on that expiring contract. Uh, he has not been happy now in three straight teams and has really kind of caused a mess for the Rockets, the Nets and uh, the 76ers. And then we're in a spot with James Harden where he's older and he's had injuries the last three seasons, which is a little interesting because this used to be one of the most durable guys in the entire league. So now we're in a spot with Harden where it becomes, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know who's necessarily lining up to say, Hey, here's a whole bunch of stuff. Certainly no one is saying, here's everything you want, Daryl Morey. Otherwise the deal would already be done. Obviously the Clippers make a lot of sense because they could still use another playmaker, another point guard. Like he, he, he makes a lot of sense for that team. That team is in a spot where, even if everything goes completely sideways and it all falls apart and the wheels come off, they could hit a major reset this summer and go in different directions and figure things out in a very big way. Um, they also don't have a ton of ability to add great players because they're so limited because they're so far over the tax line um, with, with where they're at with their current roster construction. So that's probably the team I would still say makes sense. If you start looking around, other places, you know, I heard, uh, you know, someone say, could Chicago go big and just say, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to try to make this work and bring him in and play him with Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic and go, could Levine be involved in a trade that I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see that, you know, being a thing I've, you know, the Knicks have been bandied about some, but the Knicks have a ton of guards already that have to really be clearing out their rotation a little bit to make room there so there just is not teams that jump out as like yeah there it is there's a landing spot 
for James Harden. I continue to believe it'll probably be the Clippers um, because I think what will happen is Daryl Morey will come down on his asking price. The Clippers will come up a little bit. And everybody will say, all right, let's just get this done. You know, we're, we're roughly a month and a half from training camp and media day. And that's kind of um, to steal Andrew Brandt, the NFL guys kind of term deadline spur action. And that's kind of where, where we're at, right? Is, you know, when, when we get into that spot, that's where nobody wants that whole you know, mess and uncomfortableness and everything that comes with, all right, you know, how are we going to handle this as we get into you know, media day? Because they'll issue a whole, hey, we're not talking about James Harden and all that. And then media guys like us will turn right around and say, hey, so James Harden, you know, well, what, are we, what are we doing here? And that's just kind of how it goes. So, so we're, we're in a spot where it's going to be kind of interesting to continue to watch. But I think it'll be the Clippers because nobody else jumps out at me. Okay, last question on this. What are the Philadelphia 76ers slash Daryl Morey implications if there was a wink-wink and they uh, went back on that? Or can they can they get dinged like they have in the past with the, the forfeiture of picks? What are we looking at? Yeah, I mean, they really could. We, so far, we're in a spot where what has happened is it's not we're, – we're not in that spot yet. Yo, but if uh, James Harden, let, let's say he said, yo, hey, as they come out, I'm going to put the flamethrower on this thing and torch the whole deal. He could say, yeah, Daryl Morey promised me, yo, that he would resign me to a max deal. And, you know, we worked all that stuff out and all that. And then the NBA could, for as of now, they've closed that 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 kind of um, investigation into the team. But they could reopen that and say, hey, all right, you were circumventing the salary cap. And this is not something we're going to do. And we are going to come down on you even harder. My guess is they'll probably just say, hey, it's all over. This is all sour grapes. Can they even prove you know, one way or the other that this is how this went down? And everybody will just kind of move move along and do do their own thing. But it's certainly possible we could see something happen down along those lines. All right. We shall see. Time will only tell, as always, in the NBA. Uh, let's shift to the Southeast off-season recap. Uh, we're going to do Northwest next week. Uh, so the Southeast, we've got Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Orlando, and Washington. And as we've done in the last few uh, weeks here, biggest move and what is left to do for the team. So let's start with Atlanta. What was the biggest move of this offseason for Atlanta? Yeah, it's two. It's kind of a tie on this one. It's one player coming and one player staying. The player, or I'm sorry, one player going and one player staying. The player that's going was John Collins. Uh, John Collins traded to the uh, Utah Jazz after literally years in um, uh, trade rumors. Finally happened, and it was basically a straight salary dump. Uh, from from the Hawks standpoint, did they moved him out and and uh, moved moved him along, and uh, not much came back to Atlanta minus some you know uh, flexibility, cat uh, cap wise and tax wise uh, for this season. The player who is sticking around, Dejounte Murray, he signed a an extension. Uh, we we had thought eh, maybe not enough for Dejounte Murray. You know, there there could be a situation where it is a uh, spot where um you know it it is um. Did the new extension rules at a hundred and forty percent of the prior salary that might not quite get it where it needs to be, but it ultimately did, and he signed a four-year, roughly one hundred and fourteen million dollar uh, extension. So he'll be sticking around in Atlanta, and that's that's 
big for the Hawks if they still believe DeJounte Murray, Trey Young can be a workable pairing and they can really make that work as their backcourt and kind of fill everything in around it. Well, now you've got the two guys signed uh, for, for at a minimum the next three, if not four to five seasons. So what is left for the Hawks to do? Yeah, the roster's still a little weird in balance. Um, they Moving Collins, fine. We all knew that was eventually going to happen. But now they don't really have a true four on the roster. The Onyeka Kongwu can play there a little, but you're not really likely to play him next to Clint Capella very often, if at all. Uh, so you've kind of still got those two guys as your fives. And then your fours, it's probably going to be some combination of DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, who uh, he's going into his third year. He saw increased playing time as last season went along. The Hawks are very high on him. So we'll, we'll see the, the wing rotation uh, remains a little bit in flux because that's where Hunter formerly uh, was playing at the three. You've got Bogdan Bogdanovich in that mix. Again, Sadiq Bey. Uh, they're, they're hopeful, I think, that A.J. Griffin will take a step forward, step into there, and then you've got kind of the dual ball handlers and Murray and Young. So not a ton of work left to do. Likely, you'd like to see them extend on Yucca Kongwu. I think at this point, you can very easily make a case that he's better than Clint Capella, especially with the way the Hawks seemingly want to play under Quinn Snyder. But you know, we'll see how that kind of comes together there. So you know, that that's probably the biggest thing left to do is that, and then maybe a roster uh, balancing trade. We know they've been in on trying to trade for Pascal Siakam, but the Raptors are asking the moon, and we haven't seen anything happen with that yet. Yeah, the uh, pre-offseason move of getting Quinn Snyder, I'm super interested to see what he does with that roster, so that'll be fun to see. Yeah, absolutely, and that that one is neat, because right, cause he got a you know 20 games plus playoff sample of understanding, all right, who, what are these guys, what can they do, and, not, and at least you're not starting over completely fresh, and, and they're, they're starting from a place where all right, he kind of knows them, they kind of know him, and let's hit the ground running, hopefully, is what you want to see. Yep. And Atlanta, they definitely do because they were, they were very strong in the playoffs for for a few years there, and now they're they them struggling of recent. So we'll see where that goes. Charlotte Hornets' biggest move of the offseason for them: extending Lamelo Ball, and it's not even really particularly close. Um, that that was huge. He's their franchise guy. They they wanted to get him locked up. They did. They gave him the five-year uh, extension right now. That projects to be five years, $206 million, uh, roughly, is, is where he's at. So we'll we'll see ultimately where that settles. If the cap goes up more than projected, he'll get even more money. But as it stands right now, he, he's in a really great spot um, with, with the Hornets. And, and he, like I said, he's their franchise guy. Second biggest move would be uh, bypassing Scoot Henderson, who most people said was the second best player in the draft, and they went with Brandon Miller. So they, not that Brandon Miller is a bad player by any means. He was in the mix uh, for number two most of the year, and he does fill a need because they did they they had a bigger need uh, for a kind of you know, wing size uh, scoring type player uh, that they feel like could fit with Ball more so than they needed another guard in the mix. So so Brandon Miller is in that mix. Third on the list would be much further down, re-signing Miles Bridges, but that 
kind of remained contentious into this year as he is returning to the team. He ultimately ended up signing the qualifying offer. So he'll be on a one-year contract uh, with uh, a full uh, no-trade uh, rights on that. He, he can uh, block any trades uh, this year, and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent next year. And as we you know, talk here, Scott, in the middle of August, P.J. Washington remains unsigned, as does Kelly Oubre. So two, two of their uh, bigger free agents, Washington restricted, uh, the, you know, presumably a big part of what they're trying to build uh, moving forward. But he remains unsigned, as does Oubre, who I think at this point Oubre is probably moving on. But Washington's something we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah, I have a fourth to add to that. But with Washington and Oubre, I'm kind of surprised that they aren't signed at this point. Oubre has at least been a solid role player for the teams that he's been on in Washington, similar situation. He's been pretty solid. So is, is there, what's holding up this, the signings of these two? Yeah, two different situations there. I think with PJ Washington, it's the restricted status. He, he got, you know, restricted free agents, unless they're one of the top, top guys, they generally tend to get squeezed in free agency. And that means, you know, their, their own teams are like, Hey, we're only going to go to X amount because we're going to go. And now for BJ Washington, all the cap space is gone. Then anything that is, you know, the, the mid-level or less Charlotte would just instantly match because he'd be such a great value on a contract like that, that it makes no sense for him to sign it. So unless a sign and trade materializes, I'm starting to think we're in territory of PJ Washington just signs the qualifying offer plays the year out. And then he also much like miles bridges uh, will hit, you know, unrestricted free agency a year from now. In the case of Ubre, I think it's Charlotte doesn't really have a need. They've bridges is back in the fold. You have, uh, Gordon Hayward, Cody Martin will return healthy this year. You drafted Brandon Miller. You've got a lot of guys who play Ubre's positions. So I think for Kelly Ubre, what he's looking at now is, all right, I'm getting part of a mid-level exception or I'm going to sign a minimum. Let me see what happens with the Harden trade and with the Lillard trade. And if those teams have to do, you know, two or three for one type deals in an unbalanced trade, that probably opens up a lot of playing time and a real spot for him to go to. And that's probably what he's looking at now is, all right, I can kind of pick my spot, jump in somewhere where even if it's on a minimum deal, I'll play a ton and then I'll get back onto the market in a better place a year from now, much like what Dennis Schroeder did a year ago with the LA Lakers. Yeah, with some teams having cap space, which we're going to get into 24 cap space next week. Mm -hmm. But uh, my fourth biggest move would be Michael Jordan selling his majority stake. And and now I'm going to be really interested to see what those new majority owners do with this team. Do they really take a hands-on effect to this team? Sort of like we saw with the Phoenix Suns and some other franchises of other leagues. Or do they, you know have different thoughts with the roster construction. So I'm going to add that as the fourth biggest move for that franchise right now. Yeah. And in reality, that's the biggest thing that happened. I, I I tend to keep it more to the roster side of it, but I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, that's huge. Anytime a team is sold and then to be fair, you know, recognizing his full greatness as a player, Michael Jordan was never considered to be a very good owner. Um, so I think we're in a spot where new ownership comes in. Then you, you have kind of a fresh start. You get to start all over there um, in Charlotte. And you, you feel like, hey, maybe these guys will get it a little bit more uh, and get us in a better spot. All right, outside of the P.J. Washington and Kelly Oubre situation, 
what work is left for Charlotte to do. Yeah, there really isn't much. Uh, that's kind of about it. I, I don't see any form of extension coming with Gordon Hayward. That's you know highly unlikely. I think they're just going to own that was a mistake. That contract never went the way we wanted it to because he, again, could not get and stay healthy. Um, they already had extended a couple other guys uh, in prior years. So I think this team's pr- pretty much done, you know. Sneaky, and I'll write a piece about this um, probably probably later in the month, maybe the beginning part of September, about option decisions for the rookie scale guys. Charlotte hasn't done great with a couple of draft picks. Mark Williams looks like a good one from the 2023 draft, but the year prior to that, James Booknight and Kai Jones, neither guy has really looked all that good um, in, in the NBA yet. So we may be in a spot where we could see one or maybe both of those guys have their rookie scale options declined. I think book nights far more likely than Jones is. And that's always just an interesting thing to keep an eye on that though carries all the way till October 31st. So we've still got, you know, two and a half months before those decisions need to be made, but that's something I'll be keeping an eye on. Miami heat biggest off season move for them. Yeah. I think we could probably go right to the Orlando magic because Miami Heat haven't done their biggest off season <laughs> move yet. Um, you know, I mean, Miami's made a couple nice moves in signing Thomas Bryant and Josh Richardson. I think the Richardson addition is really good independent of if they add Lillard or not. I think they, they did a really nice job um, getting him back there on a minimum deal um, by all accounts. He wanted to play uh, in Miami. That's where he wanted to be. He wanted to return to the heat. He was very good for them. He's a better player than I think he gets credit for and he'll fit whether they have Lillard or not, he's going to play, uh, you know, probably a lot of minutes for them in the backcourt, either as a starter or coming off the bench. And he's going to be a really good, good player for them. Thomas Bryant, decent depth signing. I've always kind of liked Thomas Bryant, but after he tore his ACL uh, with the wizards a few years back, he's never really gotten back to the level what he showed he was going to be, but it's Miami and Miami does this better than any other team in the league they'll probably have him playing at a pretty pretty high level at some point. We we may find out, all right, Thomas Bryant's best ball is still yet to come. But I'm not going to be silly. It's Damian Lillard. What's going to happen with that trade? Are they going to find a way to get the assets they need to be able to trade for Lillard? I think they probably will uh, before all is said and done, but we're also at a waiting uh, game at this point. Yeah, we definitely are. They've they've signed more exhibit tens and two way players than anything else that they've done this offseason. Yep. So um, you're they're definitely waiting to see this Lillard situation package. You know, I guess you wait and, and hope the the price comes down a little bit. But again, with the James Harden situation we just talked about, time will only tell with this. Uh, so outside of Lillard and what is already on their roster, is there anything left for them to really do at this time? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, yeah, they could use another couple, you know, depth-type guys, but I think they've held off because they don't know how many spots they're going to have to fill and what they're going to have to fill those spots with at this point. They do have the uh, taxpayer MLE, and they, but their problem is right now they're only $1.8 million uh, under the super tax line, that second tax apron. So what happens there is, if you if you're gonna um you know go over that you or rather I'm sorry if you use the taxpayer you get hard cap so they can't even use it right now so they're just kind of sitting on that so we gotta wait and see how this plays out before they can even 
uh, fully go about filling out their roster right now. Like you said, they've done it through exhibit 10 guys. Now, again, more than any team in the league, keep an eye on who the heat have on two way deals and exhibit 10 deals. Cause if those turn into you know real players, they, they're going to be in pretty good shape here moving forward. Um, because those guys will be likely one of these guys may pop and become a real thing. But for right now, yeah, they haven't done a whole lot beyond Richardson and Bryant. There's not a whole lot else they can do today because we're still waiting out the Lillard trade. Orlando Magic, biggest offseason move that they've done this season. Yeah, semi-quiet offseason for the Magic. I would say it was keeping both draft picks and and, uh, sticking right where they were and bringing in Anthony Black and Jed Howard. Um, People seem pretty high on the Anthony Black uh, pick for the Magic. The the one challenge is he's another non-shooter in a group that has already a lot of uh, non-shooters. But if that develops, he's going to fit in perfectly with them. He's a great defensive player. He may be one of the better uh, NBA-ready defenders year one that comes into the league. And then Jed Howard, he's supposed to fill that kind of need for shooting. He had a mess of a year last year as he tried to play through injuries, playing for his dad, Juwan Howard, at Michigan. Uh, so we'll see you know, if he can kind of get it together. Last time the Magic drafted a kid with a second first-round pick out of Michigan, and it was kind of like, eh, that might be you know a little bit of reach. It was Franz Wagner, and now he looks like a uh, you know franchise cornerstone uh, moving forward along with Paulo Bancaro. And then their only other uh, move was they signed Joe Ingles and brought him in uh, in free agency. And that was kind of the, we got to get an adult in the room here and get somebody in here who can you know, play some minutes for us, but can also help uh, this very young roster grow and mature because they have every intention of being the team that you know, really over the last two thirds of the season played you know, right around 500 ball versus the team whose first third due to injuries and no guards healthy and all everything else was a disaster in the first part of last year. They, they, they think they're closer to being a good team that's contending for a play-in spot, and that's why you had a guy like Joe Ingles. Yeah, I like the move, like you said, for the veteran presence for all the young kids that are on that roster. But you're right, this team is going to be the team that people, as the season gets closer and closer, the the stock in the Orlando Magic is going to go up tremendously because of uh, re-looking at the roster. So I'm glad we're doing these recaps now because as you look at the roster, and like you said, they played 500 ball in the back half. Uh, and, And at one point they were really surging and a lot of people thought oh they may have something here in in the middle of the season so um, I'm looking forward to see how they come out of the gate for this season as opposed to what happened last season what is left for them to do I know they have a, a total of 17 players on their roster so what is left for them to actually do at this time yeah for this season not a whole heck of a lot they're they're pretty much in their final uh form going in, into the year. You've got uh, the, the main guys in place and you're going to uh, you know, run, run in. They've got one two-way spot to fill. That'll get filled uh, before the season. My guess is they'll probably bring three, four guys to camp and let them kind of compete for that final two-way spot. The kind of it's it's more of a next season and beyond, but it's it's a decision to be made now or down the line is, are we going to extend Markel Fultz? Uh, he's extension eligible, so that'll become you know, a real talking point for the Magic. And then Cole Anthony, another guard on the team. He's rookie scale, extension eligible. Anthony's, I, if I had to bet, I would say Anthony's less likely to extend than Fultz. I think Fultz is far more likely 
to extend, but but we'll see, you know, kind of how that comes together. But th- this is a roster that's, you know, for the most part, it's their younger guys are there and they're, they're uh, betting on that internal development. And then like, like we said, Joe Ingles and then Gary Harris is still around. We'll see if Jonathan Isaac can get on the floor or not. You know, that that's remains kind of an unknown at this point, but, but, things left to do it's really uh we're going to extend anthony um and or fultz you know well what does that look like moving forward into next year and that could eat into what you know could be about 50 million dollars in cap space if they extend either one of those guys washington wizards they hit the ejection button <laughs> for this offseason but i they've pivoted pretty well with the players that they've acquired or kept from that standpoint, even though we know they're on a, a pretty much of a, a rebuild. So what was their biggest move? Yeah. This offseason? I mean, it's trading Bradley Beal, right? Like, like we, we, you know, that's probably the biggest move anybody made uh, this offseason was the, the Bradley Beal trade, just because of the player involved with the amount of money involved and, you know, kind of what it meant for the wizards as a franchise. And they were in a position for, what was it about two or three days where it looked like, Holy cow, they could be hitting a full reset with only, you know, uh, Daniel Gafford making more than $10 million on this roster. But then they pivoted, they flipped Chris Paul, who they got for Bradley Beal. They flipped him to acquire Jordan pool. Uh, now he's on the books and then they re-signed Kyle Kuzma to, you know, what I think is a very fair value contract. And, uh, one that we kind of mapped out a little in the next contract series of, hey, resign him to a deal that's a declining contract. That way, as he hits into his thirties, you have him as a you know better value, and it goes forward. So you know, pat on, I'm patting myself on the back on that one. But um, you know, I'll, I'll do that if if need be. But yeah, so now you're in a spot where you've hit reset. You made the Kristaps Porzingis trade as well. Uh, Tyus Jones came in there, and essentially what they did was. They replaced their two big salary players of Beal and Porzingis. And now their two bigger salary players are Kuzma and Poole, but they make combined, you know, 20 less million than Beal and Porzingis. So really good cap flexibility moving forward, which is something this team has not had in, gosh, I, I don't even know how long. It's been years and years um, since we could say that about the Wizards. They've got some young talent. And they're basically, I think, this year going to be a, Hey, let's throw it all out there, figure it out, who sticks, who doesn't stick, how do we move this thing forward uh, into the next year. But for now, this is kind of where we're at. All right, so what is left for the Wizards to do this offseason? Yeah, they're going to have to cut somebody. They're sitting on 16 guaranteed contracts right now. Um, most likely that'll probably be someone like Danilo Gallinari or Mike Muscala who don't probably have much of a future uh, with this team. They're on expiring contracts. Those are the easy ones uh, you could look at to, to see see the waiver. Or maybe they, they flip one of those guys in a trade to a team that could use, uh, use one of them and kind of go in that direction. But there's not a lot left to do. Denny Avdia is extension eligible uh, off his rookie scale deal. So we'll see if that's something they want to get into or not to, to try and extend him and uh, move his contract forward because he's, he's a good player, but it hasn't quite come along as the way they wanted as a shooter and those kind of things. So, so we'll see. And other than that, it's just, Hey, let's get into camp and into the season and figure out what we got in this kind of, uh, just we'll, we'll just call it what it is. It's kind of an eclectic mix of guys who are on weird contracts and maybe part of the future, maybe not part of the future. Let's just kind of figure it all out. 
All right, so as I've been asking, which team do you think comes out of the Southeast at, at, at the top of this division then? Yeah, I'm going to cheat and just pretend Miami trades for <laughs> Damian Lillard, and I'm going to say it's the Heat, right? And, and I do think, much like I said with the James Harden conversation earlier in the show, I do think Lillard will end up in Miami. Just history tells me when a player really wants to be somewhere, they end up in that place. And what, what will happen, much like with the Harden and Clippers situation is, Miami will find a way to get the additional asset or two that they need to get. Portland will come down a little bit on their asking price and the deal will probably get done. It's, you know, again, we've got roughly a month and a half here before this needs to really go down. But I, I think that's what we'll see is we'll see that get done. And I think with, with that case, Miami is the best team in the division. Atlanta could be good. You know, let's see. You know, they've been kind of up and down over the last few years. They, they, they've got a lot of talent, though, so they, they, they could end up being, being pretty good. I think Orlando will play better and probably be in postseason contention. And by postseason, I mean probably closer to the play-in tournament they are to the top six. And then I think Charlotte and Washington, they're, they're going to be bad um, teams. I don't think there's much of a chance of either one being very good unless it's a major surprise. Washington may be the worst team in the league when all is said and done. But honestly, that's fine because you're both of those franchises to some extent are, you know, still resetting. Washington just hit the reset button and uh, let's say uh, Charlotte, they're, they're still booting back up uh, from what they were before. So not Miami should be the class of the division. That's even if they don't trade for Lillard, they should still be the best team in the division, but you could see it kind of being like, like last season where they just kind of, played out the regular season and didn't put a lot into it to hope with the idea of, Hey, we'll turn it on in the playoffs. That could be the way that goes again. Yeah. Washington could be bad. And if we get to the trade deadline, those pieces that they acquired yeah. uh, this off season could be flipped again. And then they acquire more first round picks and yada, yada. So yep. uh, that'll be an interesting situation with Washington to keep an eye on, especially if they are really bad out of the gate here. And we could even see right, Charlotte so, uh, right now that Gordon Hayward's an yeah. expiring deal. If a team's like, you know, Hey, he could kind of push us over the top and they've got a couple of contracts they can send out Terry Rozier. If you know, LaMelo ball really kind of entrenches himself as like, all right, you know, we want to go a little bit of a different direction, but we'll, we'll kind of see how that comes. I'm interested in Charlotte, just seeing how do they play out? Let's say we hit, game one of the regular season and let's just say everybody is healthy enough to go is brandon miller gonna start like you're gonna put gordon hayward at 31 million dollars um on the bench well i guess game one's not fair because miles bridges still has a suspension coming but let's say game one where everybody's healthy how are they going to handle that and my guess is their hope is brandon miller you know, takes the ball and runs with it and, you know, claims that starting spot. And then they kind of figure it out from there, but that's just something to keep an eye on because the the path for him to jump right into the starting group, not quite as clean as it could be necessarily, if, especially if like PJ Washington's back, because then you've kind of got uh, four guys for two spots between Miller, uh, Washington bridges and Hayward. All right. We shall see two months out from regular season beginning. Um, so what is left, uh, what is next for you, Keith, with, uh, with our content? Yeah. So next, uh, later th this week, uh, you're going to get the, uh, first look at the 2024, uh, cap space projections and the spending power, what the landscape looks like, uh, as of right now, we go going into next summer. And I think it's going to be interesting for people to see, cause I think they're going to look at it and say, 
huh, I thought that team would have cap space. Or, wow, that team actually has that much and those kind of things. I think these are always good exercises to do because you know, most of the rosters, we talked about it, Lillard, Harden still out there, but most rosters are largely finished for now. They'll they'll change You know, when the trade season opens back up in mid-December through the trade deadline a couple months later. Um, there'll, there'll be other changes made. There'll be extensions signed and the like. But as of right now, we're, we're taking a look at where we think uh, everything may go with that. And then we've got the Northwest division uh, coming that, that that'll come out as well as the written version of the Southeast division as we kind of finish our off season recaps here in uh, the middle of August. Yeah. And I'll put this out there for anyone that's still listening at this point. If you have a player that you're looking to see a next contract yes. on start hitting, uh, send us an email or hit Keith up on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Let us know who you want to see because he's starting to compile his list of players to focus on. And so if there is someone that you specifically want to see, let us know. Uh, anything else, Keith? I uh, know. I think I'm good. All right. For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next podcast. <laughs>